Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey everybody, it's Weird Islanders, the podcast again. I am Dan, that is Mike. Uh, how you doing, Mike? Uh, pretty good, all things considered, I guess. Yeah. Um, ready yeah. to talk about a really, really strange Islander. Yes, really strange Islander from a very weird time in Islanders history. And uh, I'm very excited to talk about this player and uh, to introduce our guest. You know her from Lighthouse Hockey, where she writes recaps and other great articles all the time for the site. She is Jenny Berman. Jenny, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, Really happy to be here and excited to talk about our very weird Islander. Yes, we're very excited to have you. As I was just saying, it's great to talk to you uh, as a human being with my voice as opposed to uh, over email or Twitter or something like that. Um, but yeah, your your choice here uh, is another home run. This is a guy who Mike and I have talked about extensively and yet somehow always find something else to talk about uh, when it comes to him. So without any further ado, Jenny Berman, will you please reveal tonight's Weird Islander? We're going to be talking about Thomas Vanek, the... One season, first line, possible <laughs> wonder. I guess. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I mean, he was. I, I think I was as excited about that trade. There's two trades that I've been the most excited, I think, in my life as an Islander fan. And it was <laughs> obviously Ryan Smith. Mm. Uh, and then Vanek was a close second. 
for a lot of different reasons. Like the Vanek one, because he was like a legitimate star um, and a perfect fit for what I thought with Tavares. But also the way that trade was revealed, mm. which was early-ish in hockey Twitter days and incarcerated Bob had it like oh, yeah. hours before yeah. anybody else. And he was like, Molson is going to the to Sabres for Vanek. And yeah. Nobody, you know, because as, as a, everything with incarcerated Bob, you just kind of sit back and wait to see if this is one of the ones that he nails yeah. or doesn't, and he have, and absolutely nailed it. Yeah, and I remember thinking at the time, boy, I hope he's wrong. And actually, I think <laughs> last night I was I was uh, sitting on the couch, my wife was there, and I was telling her, you know, we're going to record the podcast tomorrow night, and I said this one is actually you were kind of there when this trade went down, and she looked at me like I was, you know, had ten heads. I'm like, we we were in our old house, we we're sitting on the couch. It was a Sunday night, and I read this tweet that said that he that Matt Molson was going to get traded, and I and I just went completely gray, and I was like, I hope this guy is wrong. And you were sitting right next to me, and I was like, I think I may have told you that he was going to get traded, and you were just like, you completely ignored me, whatever. But I was like, you were there when this went down, and it was a very surreal moment. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it turned out to to be 100 right, but. uh and that, that, of course, kicked off this incredibly strange period with this guy who was a legitimate star and was for a short time like a super productive member of the Highlanders. Um, so, I mean, what made you pick Vanek? Was it that like, you know, productiveness? Was it just how completely strange and bizarre this whole thing was at the time and only keeps getting more and more bizarre as it goes on? I mean, or was it something else? So I wrote about this when I first started writing for Lighthouse Hockey, but despite having season tickets in my family for basically the entire existence of the Islanders, I didn't really get into it until that uh, lockout 2012-13 playoff Mm. run. Mm. So for me, a lot of these weird Islanders that, and frankly, we've had plenty of them, which is why there's an entire (laughs) podcast, um, they predate my interest in the team. The Mm. team's been shockingly competent. Right. For most of the time that I've been a fan, really. Mm. Um, so Vanek was kind of the weirdest and most interesting of the weird Islanders that I could think of and remembered a lot of because that was the first season that I was really following the team and really cared about what happened in each game. So when I heard that, obviously, Matt Molson, who I wasn't as attached to as a lot of other fans were, got traded for Vanek, to me, it's just... This is an upgrade to a real superstar. This is mm. Tavares's winger. And well, that didn't exactly go as we all thought it would. Right. Right. Yeah. No, definitely and not. The Molson, like, I think of so many people, you, you know, when you, when you make a trade like this, the two guys are forever connected and you couldn't get two different forwards, I think, you know, more different forwards, both in terms of like how they played and also their career pass. You had Vanek, first round pick. Um, was dynamite. I remember him like people loved him at the university of Minnesota. He had that like really beach uh, bleach blonde hair kind of at the end of the, the, we would say the fringes of when that was like socially acceptable to have like frosted <laughs> tip and he still was rocking it. Yeah. And then um, he comes out uh, and comes out of college and into the NHL, like a buzzsaw, like 20 goals, 25, yeah. 43, 36, 40, 28, 32, 26, 20. Those were all with Buffalo. Yeah. He was really um, the trigger man for that very good Buffalo team that went to back-to-back conference finals. Like he was yeah. the guy who would score all the goals, basically. 
Uh, yeah, so he scored 250, 254 with Buffalo in 598 games, and I'm pretty sure 190 of them came against the Islanders. <laughs> like, I, I remember him just scoring against us all the time. He had a great shot. He was quick. Yeah. Um, and then Molson, obviously, was, you know, he's kind of a Cinderella story, or was, mm. and just a guy who didn't have all that much talent compared to the NHL com- comparables uh, in his position. And mm. worked his his tail off, made a career for himself, mm. and we got the a very uh, it's a business, you know, not sports is a business kind of trade when mm. when he got cashed in for uh, for Thomas <laughs> Vanek, which yeah. at the same time, like the Islanders, like Jenny was saying, like they they made the playoffs the year before, defied expectations, went on a great run, and then they started real slow. And I remember mm. this trade, Snow, like kind of marketed it as this was like the wake up call the team needs. Which, I mean, how often do we call for those kind of trades and then actually one happen? (laughs) Well, that's what I think is so interesting with this is that I feel like one of the big complaints with the Islanders, as always, is that we never just go for the guy. And Vanek was it. When you really think about it, I mean, on paper and honestly in practice for a lot of the time, he was the dynamic winger that made Tavares a better player. And that's what everybody had wanted the entire time. So in that sense, it was should have been a win. Right. But, <laughs> but the problem <laughs> but. with that, but the, the huge, but is that the problem with that Islanders team was not the goal, goal scoring. The problem with that team was they couldn't get a goddamn safe. Like that was the problem. And our, one of our all time favorites and a guy who probably should get an episode of this show too, of getting to Bakov, he had basically emptied his tank the year before in order to get this team to the playoffs. Uh, they tried to upgrade, I guess, but never really signed anybody. And when they came back with, Nabokov the next year he he was cooked and they were terrible that year in goal like they the three goalies that year were Nabokov Anders Nilsson and Kevin Poulin and like (laughs) if those three guys could combine for a save I would be shocked and so yeah like getting Vanek at the time made sense and you thought oh wow this is going to be you know definitely an upgrade now a whole like full disclosure I loved Matt Molson I have his jersey he was my favorite guy from that early Tavares era because of exactly what Mike said. He was the Cinderella guy. They signed him for peanuts and he turns out to be a 30 goal scorer. And then he does it again and again. And he would have done it again in the lockout year had it within not played 48 games. And I loved him. And uh, when he got traded, I wrote a whole thing about it. Lighthouse hockey. I called it no pizza for Spicoli because you know, he was like Jeff Spicoli from fast times. And uh, he actually wrote me a very nice email. Uh, Matt Molson did saying that he read the article. He's you know sad about going, but you know he's looking forward to in Buffalo, you know doing things in Buffalo, and and he was really happy. You know he, the 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 article really. I should have found this email that it really touched him, and he you know he felt uh, he wanted to just reach out and say thanks. So I always love that about Matt Molson, but Thomas Vanek, like you said, was an upgrade. Certainly, you know a guy who could score as many goals, if not more than, than Molson could and, and be a pretty dynamic playmaker on, on his own, but he wasn't a goalie like, and that was the problem. And so they went on this crazy tear after a couple of weeks of kind of settling in Tavares, uh, Vanek and Oposo started to terrorize the league and they became fantastic, but the Islanders were still giving up goals in bunches. <laughs> and unfortunately that sort of hastened, Thomas Vanek's exit, I would say probably from the Islanders because he he was the guy for Tavares. He just wasn't the guy that that team really needed to get back on track, unfortunately. The other thing, too, is that he kind of contributed to 
the team not being able to stop a goal either because yeah. he was pretty <laughs> awful defensively. Absolutely. Tavares, I don't really think, got any decent defensively until no. a little bit later in his career too. So yeah. it was these two guys who just didn't know what to do the second they were in their own blue line. <laughs> and yes. that didn't exactly help when you didn't have a goalie who couldn't make a save. Right. And the yeah, defense and too the, was the defense. Andrew McDonald. Yeah, exactly. and <laughs> like, look, here's the games played on defense are really tough to, to read. Thomas Hickey and in the prime of his career, he played it. <laughs> he played all 82 games. He's the only defenseman to do it that mm. season. Then it was Hamannick at 69 games, Andrew McDonald, 63 of course, a legend himself, Matt Karkner, 53. <laughs> Matt Donovan, who was Vince Dunn before Vince Dunn was Vince Dunn. Yeah. In terms of like his his reputation, for some reason, is way better yeah. than what he actually is. He played 52 games, then DeHaan, 51. Our, mm. our beloved Brian Strait, 47. Oh, my God. I, like, I mean, say. you go down the list. Like, Viznoski was battling injuries. I remember yeah, that. He was only right. 24. And then 37-year-old, a spry 37-year-old, mm. Radek Martinek. He played. Uh, oh man! Yeah, yeah. I think that was the season that remember they traded him to Columbus, and then the universe just kind of rejected the trade, or like we can't have this. Or he signed in Columbus, I guess, and they were like, we need to get this guy back to Long Island, right. and he did. And he he led the team, or no, mm. sorry, he was second, tied with Thomas Vanek, second in the team. And I know I'm not supposed to ever mention mm. the stat, but plus minus Hickey was plus five to lead, and then it was Vanek and Martinez were the wow. two other uh, that were tied for second at plus four. So. Who could have possibly <laughs> seen that defense giving up that many goals? Yeah. <laughs> this is a what a, a murderous oh, row <laughs> in the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, murdering their own goalies. But uh, but um, but it was exciting, and it was crazy that these guys that that top line was really really good, and I think they really enjoyed playing with each other too. For what it's worth, it seemed like they did. I'm, I'm sure Tavares enjoyed playing with with Vanek on his wing. Um, but we can't talk about Thomas Vanek, and we can't talk about goals without talking about one of the most infamous no goals in Islanders history, perhaps the most infamous no goal in Islanders history, a goal that Mike and I have talked about many, many times, the called back goal in overtime against St. Louis, against Yarrow Halak, who would be an Islander a couple of years later. Um, Thomas Vanek scores in overtime. The Islanders need all the points they can get. Nassau Coliseum goes crazy. Um, but the goal gets called back. It was that he kicked it in. I was yeah. at this game. You were there. <laughs> yes. Back to Tavares. Lines it up. Across. Centering feed. Vanek. And they score! It's going to be a good goal as Halak's not able to handle that puck. No argument at all. Halak's going towards the penalty bench area. And I believe that goal is going to be Thomas Vanek because he was in front of the net. Bahamas just threw it towards the net. How we talk about shooting the puck. The slow puck move, and then finally the Islanders got the puck towards the net. They're going to check this goal here as the St. Louis Blues are a reluctant group of guys to leave the bench area. There is some gray area, but again, does Vanek kick with his skate? Yeah, watch the put it in. Right there to, oh, there's no way. He's just moving in, in, in out of the way. So I, I don't think he had any space to complete it. The stick down towards the puck. And you're right, Howie. He doesn't really have any move room to be able to kick it. There it is. It goes off the left skate, and then it goes off the right skate. And he's just spinning around, so I don't know. That. I don't Calls it a goal on the ice, so to me, it's got to be something that's dramatic. It's got to be to be able to reverse it. The call on the ice should stay. Yeah, I, I don't see how you could possibly overturn that, frankly. You were there, so let's hear it. You were at the game where he scores in overtime, and it gets called back because he kicked the puck in. Meanwhile, his 
foot is wedged in between a pad and the defenseman's leg. How the hell is he supposed to kick anything when his foot can't go anywhere? I, what, what was it like there? I honestly didn't understand it at all. <laughs> um, I think Vanek after it said that if that was, if he was playing for Pittsburgh, that would yep. have been a goal. Yep. And he's right. I mean, he said that must be just how the way things work around here was the exact <laughs> line. <laughs> I mean, he's probably right about that. Yeah. Because as you said, there was no actual kicking motion. Mm. It deflected in off his skate. I mean, we've seen so many of those goals before. They all get counted as a goal. And for some reason, when Vanek does it, he's kicking it. Mm. So I just remember we were all sitting there. Everybody went crazy as Nassau Coliseum does. And then it was like, nope, actually, this is not a goal. (laughs) (laughs) Which just felt like, you know, par for the course of how that season had gone after there were some pretty high expectations, I think. Mm. And it was just like, of course, we get this guy, he's scoring goals. And then even he can't get rid of the fact that when it's the Islanders, it's not a goal. Right. It's a, if you type in a Twitter search, any Twitter search, Vanek disallowed. Mm. Some great stuff comes up. Stan Fischler, journalists and fans from all sides of the spectrum have told me that they've never seen a more preposterous disallowed goal than Vanek's. Um, yeah. Then like you said, the, uh, the quote about Pittsburgh yeah. and it's just like a bunch of people, uh, you know, weighing in obviously. And mm. it, it reminded me of two things and, and our, cause there's that, that's the one disallowed goal that lives on in infamy. And then the, the Brendan Witt one against the Sabres mm. uh, in 2007, when, First of all, no idea why Brendan Witt was out on a six on five in a playoff game down on goal, but <laughs> they ended up scoring. Uh, he's at the net. Ryan Miller's in the net. Puck's in the net, but for some reason it doesn't count. I uh, never really get a, a, a explanation why. But I also remember that in a playoff series before that, in the Maple Leafs one, Claude hmm. Lapointe that and Mike Milbury made a similar statement about the officiating in the first two games in that series in Toronto. And like I think Claude Lapointe's exact quote was. They're treating us like we're still losers. We used to be losers, but we're in the playoffs now. <laughs> I like, remember that. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, and like it's just so funny that that has that ethos, that Islander ethos, has has went from Claude LePoint and Mike mm. Milbury to Brendan Witt and <laughs> and Ted Nolan to mm. Thomas Vanek uh, of yeah. all people, and who, who was uh, here for five out. minutes. That was the yeah, thing. Like he was yeah, here for exactly. five minutes. And, Claude LePoint was and, here for years. <laughs> if you go into like if if you know if, if the Islanders get a you know, another one was like the I think it was Devon Taves against Carolina where he had that like kicking motion from behind the red right. like below the the goal somehow in a playoff game and like mm. I think if you if you took like a moment like that a disallowed goal like that that's clearly a bad call like mm. Islander fans will actually be like this is you, you screwed us on Vanek. You screwed mm. us. You screwed us on the Brendan Witt goal and you screwed us in Toronto and the NHL will be like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? We have the whole, the whole laundry list <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> of, of disallowed goals. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a whole thing, but it, it's just, uh, I remember Howie Rowe is going completely bonkers and Butch did too. Now Butch obviously has the, the Homer-ish, uh, you know, kind of reputation, but I remember Howie just completely losing it that that goal was called back. Like he couldn't believe that this, this, this national hockey league, my national hockey league would do such a thing as this. But uh, I mean, if anybody knows the situation like that, it's Howie. Um, but you know, he, he, Vanek did score a lot of goals and, and a lot of them counted actually. <laughs> he ended up having 17 goals and 27 assists in 47 games as an Islanders. That's 44 points. I mean, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> and, 
you know, again, he they were a dynamic group, but they I remember that that season was a little bit like this season, if we're being honest, where like no matter how many games they won, everybody else was also winning, too, and they couldn't get any traction. And as they neared the trade deadline and it was becoming increasingly clear that they weren't going to make the playoffs, now it became about, well, is Vanek going to stay? And (laughs) the problem, and this, of course, obviously foreshadowed the whole Tavares thing four years later, and all of a sudden it became like, how can we make this guy stay? What can we entice him with to get him to stay? And I think ultimately the answer was nothing. He wanted to leave. He was always going to look for free agency, and he never really wanted to stay, and nothing or nobody was going to make him change his mind, but like we all kind of held out hope. Um, I mean, Jenny, you were much younger at the time, but like, what do you remember of like hoping that he would stay? Like, was there a, a thing that, you know, you hope he would grab onto? And did you have, did you have hope? I should say that he was going to stay. And I mean, did it turn out when, when I he did got traded? not have <laughs> much hope that he would stay, to be right. honest. Um, <laughs> mostly because he was another rental. It seemed pretty clear the team was going to trade him to try yeah. to get something back after having given up. Molson, a first round pick and a second round pick. We'll, we'll talk about be, that first round pick in a few minutes, but yeah, continue. <laughs> had to be some kind of, you know, recuperating some of those assets. Right. And so I didn't really think that he was going to be staying. I don't really think I felt like it was a good move for the Islanders to go crazy to make him stay. I think it was a, what, seven year, $50 million contract they offered him. Yeah. Right. Which, yep. uh, in hindsight, <laughs> I know. <laughs> make some of the uh, bad contracts that we complain about now look like bargains. Right. Gosh, yeah. Um, but I just, I don't think I had a lot of hopes for him staying. Tavares also got hurt that year at the Olympics. Right. I forgot, yes. Pretty that much, was the Sochi year, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, pretty that much the... put a death knell on any hopes for the season. And yeah. I think at that point it was like, why would this guy even stick around? <laughs> yeah, when, when, when people ask me why I don't like um, the All Star Game, it's yep. the, the Rick DiPietro thing, and when I don't like why well, I don't like the Olympics, it's the Don- John Tavares injury, and yeah, it was the that was <laughs> hard to watch. And I remember I remember talking to people at a, at my old job at the time, being and, and one of whom was Pete Blackburn, and I was like Pete, like he's he's he loves the Olympics, like loved it. And I was like, why don't you? He was like, why don't you like? I was like, because I don't want John Tavares to get hurt <laughs> and, and play for Canada. <laughs> if he's gonna get hurt, I want him to get hurt play for the Islanders, hmm. and uh, yeah, that was not good. Um, right, but the I remember exactly where I was on trade deadline day, as I normally do, I guess, uh, for the Vanek one, and just counting down the minutes towards how are they not going to get? Because, like you said, Dan, like mm. forty four points in forty seven games with the Islanders, mm. if that is worthy of like that is a, an amazing rental for somebody, yeah, to, to pay up for in this day and age. But because every like the, everybody knew that he wasn't coming back to the Islanders they all just kind of waited snow out. And mm. I, I think, I don't know if I can think of a time I was more upset with, with snow um, <laughs> than yeah. that, because like, even like the lad contract, it, it got, it was annoying. And the fact that Franz and Kyle Poso and Martin had left earlier in the day, like sucked, but like, you're like, all right, like at least he's like taking a shot on one of the big fish and yeah. like, we'll see how Goodbye. it goes. Like in hindsight, yeah. it was much worse, but the Vanek not being able to get anything from mm. Vanek at the deadline was um i think that was probably as mad as i've ever been at him yeah that whole season was really a uh 
a comedy of errors for for Garth. And I think, you know, we could agree that the, there were moves he made that were very smart, but I, I don't know how many of them came in that season. There's the deal, obviously, itself. Um, when Tavares got hurt at Sochi, there was the infamous, uh, I forget exactly what he said, but it was sort of like, you know, my my players are getting hurt and now we're, we're screwed. And people were like, well, Garth, if you had better players, you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, one right. guy getting hurt in the Olympics. So he kind of, that was yeah, a, very, you know, he spent the summer signing Pierre and Mark Bouchard and Peter Regan. Yeah. Like maybe if we, we we filled out the roster a little bit better, Garth, it would have been a huge yeah. problem. Spoiler alert for those two guys coming up for sure. <laughs> yeah. on the show. But uh, but yeah, and so and then yeah, he gets to the trade deadline, and um, like you said, like he kind of he kind of waited himself out. And I mean, you would think that there would be some kind of bidding war for a guy who had you know, had a great season despite the upheaval in, in, you know, being traded and all that. And he ends up getting some guy named Sebastian Kohlberg, who was just <laughs> not, I think they also got like a fifth round pick maybe or something like that. Got a, it was a second. second round pick. Yeah. We second traded Vanek and a fifth for mm. Kohlberg and the second round pick. And I got to mm. say, I think that this return was just proof that nobody was watching the Islanders at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I honestly think that if anybody had cared about what the Islanders were doing at that point, they would have been like, this guy's good. Mm, He's yeah. had a good year, 44 points, 47 games. This is a guy who could help a playoff team. Right. And I feel like everybody was just like, yeah, it's the Islanders. We can wait. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll yeah, pretty much. And, and all, like a lot of people probably like, mm, wait, what do you mean Garcino's trying to trade me Thomas Vanek? He, mm. is, he's on the Islanders? Like, what you, <laughs> that guy's not still on Buffalo. How did that yeah. happen? Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, and the um, I think that second round pick ended up turning into Josh Hosang. Yes. Because, oh well, uh, no, somehow. no. It um indirectly. It, well, it Indir- did, yeah, yeah, because they traded it to Tampa Bay basically, and it became Hosang. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let, let, let's go there before we talk about Vanek uh, as a Montreal Canadian, I guess, real quick. But yeah, so um. The Islanders, when they traded uh, Molson to the Sabres for Vanek, they also traded an option for a first-round pick. It could be that year or the year after. And obviously, because they were so terrible <laughs> the year they had Vanek, they kept that year's pick, and they used it to take Michael Dalcole fifth overall. They ended up trading the second-round pick they got from the Canadians to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they used that later, that either the last pick in that round or the second-to-last pick in the first round on Josh Hosang. Um, the next year that meant that the Islanders had no first round pick, but in a turnaround from <laughs> the season before, in which we just kind of shit all over Garth Snow, um, they turned out to walk away from that draft with Matt Barzell and Anthony Beauvillier, <laughs> despite going into the draft <laughs> with no picks. So again, this is the, the dichotomy, the duality of Garth Snow. He can, you know, trade, make a trade that, you know, was a good trade for the wrong reasons at the wrong time uh, and, you know, make a fool of himself by saying stuff after his best player gets hurt and then wait himself out of the trade deadline and get not a whole lot back. And then the next year draft two guys or two years later draft two guys that are now with the team and are essentially core players. So it's kind of funny to me. But um, but yeah, it, it was just such a crazy, crazy thing. And, and yeah, to walk away. And now we were talking before we came on here. Um Nobody has any idea where Michael Dalcole is right now. We have literally no <laughs> Is he playing for Bridgeport? Is he on the Islanders taxi squad? Is he hurt? Like, we don't know. So, Michael, if you're out there, we hope you're doing okay because we don't know where you are. We're rooting <laughs> for you, Michael. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we always, it's funny because, like, he's a, he's like a, a 
he doesn't fit the criteria for this show, but if there's a Weird Islander spinoff, Weird Islanders also, or for different reasons, I guess you'd call it, <laughs> he'd be number Weirder one. Weird Islanders. Like, yes. Just, yeah. It, it, talk about like the just the strangest career for someone fifth, drafted fifth overall. Mm. You, at that, like, you're consensus fifth overall. I always consensus, have to say that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no, there was no shame in taking him. There's no hindsight mess was a mistake, a miss, but... Um, the fact that he is, has pl- been basically a 14th forward, but also a 12th forward. Like he's just bounced between being like the 12th and 14th forward for this team for four or five seasons and has been okay with that role too. Like he, he's had chances to leave and or go somewhere else to Europe or whatever, but he's just plugging away. And like you said, he's he's he always seems to get hurt for like these large portions of the seasons. But since he's in that <laughs> quasi role of being sort of on the team but sort of in the minors nobody ever you never hear anything about it <laughs> it's right it's such strange yeah yeah definitely a weird Jesus, how for, many goals uh, do you think michael duckhole has in the nhl in his career 111 games i, I used to know this eight is right is wow. it actually yeah there you go i was gonna say like 17 i could have <laughs> swore he scored like 12 one season you're only like off by half bad. that's all right yeah yeah <laughs> wow Eight goals. Hey, good, good. That's good, Jenny. I, I was going to say five. So you, you're more optimistic than eight, I am. But eight in uh, 111 games. Yeah, good 111 bad. games. We were just saying again, 111 games over five seasons. Like, how's that even possible? Yeah, like I just wrote a thing about <laughs> Zdeno Chara, who barely missed a game for 24 seasons, and then five seasons, this guy's barely played over over a season and a half of <laughs> of actual games. But uh, but yeah, it's pretty wild. But um, yeah, and then just looking up, uh, I didn't realize that. That was the year that the Canadians went to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost to the Rangers. And Vanek yeah. uh, was pretty productive in that playoff series. But they oh, hated him, which was, yeah. I feel like. Well, they had given up Sebastian Thomas, Kohlberg, of that course. That was the whole Thomas Vanek experience is <laughs> he was pretty good, but nobody seemed to like him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, it's a, that's a very Canadians thing. Uh, that's true. Canadians thing, I think. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's just funny. And then, of course, he walked away. Well, I think they probably didn't like him because – they knew that he was going to leave. Like, I don't think they ever, we at least had, I think some people hoped that Vanek would stay with the Islanders. You know, he had found success here. Maybe with Tavares, he liked playing. They would stay. I don't think Canadians fans and Canadians management had any hope at all that he was going to stay there. Like this was a pure rental situation. And they were just like, well, we're not going to, this guy's not going to stay anywhere. So who the hell cares? Um, And of course, sure enough, he ends up signing with Minnesota, the team that we all kind of thought he was going to sign with, uh, the whole time because again he had gone to the University of Minnesota. I guess I think his wife was from Minnesota. Maybe his kids lived there or something like that. But um the funny thing was, and you mentioned it before, like Garth Snow had offered him a seven year fifty million dollar contract and he turned it down. And thank God. <laughs> like that's that's the best one one of the best non moves that has ever happened in Islanders history because that's a buyout waiting to happen. Like there's no way that they would have liked that. I mean it's Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter Again, like those two contracts, you could see a buyout coming at some point, which happened last year. That was the same thing here, right? Like there's no way that Vanek would still be on this team. He would still be here now. Like he'd be still, right? It was, that would have been 2014. This would have been probably the last season of it or last year would have been the last season of it. It would have been a disaster. He retired like two years ago. (laughs) So um, yeah, I don't think that would have worked out that well. But um, at some point too, now this all happened in the summer of 2014, the uh, 15, 16 season was the first year the Islanders played in Barclays center. 
And he said some not so nice things about playing in Brooklyn. Like he didn't want to play in Brooklyn. He's glad that he had left because he didn't want to live in the city, uh, which endeared him to Islanders fans even more because it's like, well, thanks. <laughs> it's a good thing you're not here anymore. Um, and the irony is that he then, instead of just playing in Brooklyn for seven years or whatever it was, or five years, and then the Coliseum again, uh, he played for 52 teams in the last like five years of his career because the, the wild bought him out. And then he ended up playing for uh, Detroit and Florida. Raise your hand if you remember Florida Panther, Thomas Manick. <laughs> he played for the Canucks. He played for the Blue Jackets. Uh, he played for Detroit again. And I mean, in all those stops, you know, I mean, I don't, it's hard to argue that he was really as successful as he was during his scant, you know, sub 50 game career with the Islanders. It's pretty remarkable that, you know, that was, that was the last, that was a real good season for him. And really in a lot of ways was the last one. Cause I mean, after that, it wasn't really that good anymore. Yeah. He was probably like, like what Ryan Zingle is now, like, like these guys who, who were, doing like the Mike Sillinger thing, Derek Broussard a little bit, I guess too, mm. like just like bouncing around. Um, I would say Vanek would be, was like the least likely of anybody to, to end up with that many teams because <laughs> right. of how, like how his career started. Like right, he was a superstar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, he was a legitimate star right. and uh, the Islanders got him like in almost, almost similar to Smith. Like they got him in like the twilight of his prime, but in his prime mm. and uh, like was, they they had the attention of the league for a little bit too, uh, which which was fun, always fun. Um, but then, <laughs> yeah, then then it all went to hell in those black jerseys. I just I don't think I ever saw him not playing those black jerseys. I with think the, the uh, disallowed kicking goal was in those cursed black jerseys. Yep. Is he the first guy we've had on the show that wore the jersey that is the hastily made and slapped together logo for this podcast? I don't think. Because I don't think Rolston or Pandolfo played in those jerseys. Oh, I, mean, was... I think Pandolfo did. Yeah, I think I so. He was because he was. They both were bad enough too. So I don't know. Yeah, well, they were both know. the same season though. So I don't yeah. know if that's yeah. But I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I can pick for some reason. I could picture Pandolfo in it, but I yeah. can't really picture Rolston in it. Yeah, that's true. But we that's could all definitely. Well, pick... Rolston was wearing like a different jersey. He just showed up in like his like wild jersey to islander games because he hated it so much <laughs> but we could all definitely remember panic in that yeah uh jersey um i have a, a trivia question for you both and, and let's see who can answer it so while he was with buffalo um vanek was he actually signed an offer sheet as an rfa with another team that tried to sign him because he was that good and the sabers ended up matching and it was another seven-year deal which is how he ended up in buffalo for so long so what team was it that sent him that offer sheet? Do you guys know? Senators? I just, what'd you say? Was it the Senators? It was not the Senators, but you're in the right country. <laughs> Calgary? Not Calgary, but you're in the right province. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was the Oilers. And I had completely forgotten about this, but this was a big deal. Like This was like a Kevin Lowe you know, coup that like when he tried to sign Dustin Penner that one year, yeah, and, the Penner, uh, the Penner was the best. <laughs> Zaniel was got punched by Brian Burke in a barn. Yeah. The whole thing, but yeah, no, they tried to sign Vanek, and and Darcy Regeer signed him. You know, they matched the deal, and that's why Vanek and Ryan Miller were really the last two Sabers standing from that that really really good uh, Eastern Conference Finals team because like uh, Drury had left and and Briere had left and stuff. Oh, and actually, I'm glad I brought up Ryan Miller. So. Earlier in the 
podcast, we talked about the Islanders getting goalie. I've always had this suspicion, and maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. I've always had this kind of like idea that what if Garth wanted to actually acquire maybe Miller and Vanek for Molson, yada, 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 plus first round pick and everything, because he knew that they needed a goalie. And and Miller was also traded, I believe, that year to St. Louis and then even eventually ended up in Vancouver for a while. I've always kind of had that idea that like maybe they wanted to make the trade for Miller and he just didn't want to come to the Islanders, whereas Vanek either was open to it or maybe he had no no move clause or something like that. So I don't know. Is that crazy? Like, is that crazy to think? I don't know. We'll never know. Garth will never tell us, but I don't know. That was kind of a cool idea. <laughs> I, can, I can picture a lot of people in Islanders gear. I for some reason I can't picture I can't picture Ryan Miller. Like I just yeah. it just especially in his prime, Ryan Miller. Um, oh yeah, yeah. When he he never let in a goal against the Islanders. But <laughs> I mean, I can picture Ryan Miller having to play behind that defense and just smashing his stick against yeah. the oh ball every yeah. game. Yeah, he would have been tried for murder. That's for sure. Look at Andrew McDonald that whole time. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I'm just, I'm ready, probably just pointing this out of my, my ass. Uh, so, so, just the, the thing about it, so I want to ask you, Jenny, you picked Vanek. Um, I guess, let, let's, I don't know, let's try and find a cool thing. Like, let's say Vanek had signed with the Islanders. Let's say he took that deal. He's like, 50 million, seven years? Sure, sign me up. Like, how do you think that deal would have played out? Would he have been bought out? Would he have been an all-star? Would he have been potting 30 goals uh, with or without John Tavares for the years? Or do you think it would have probably ended up being the huge flaming wreck that I think we all kind of think it would have ended up as? I think it would have been better than we all think it would have been. Yeah. Just because he really did have a lot of chemistry with Tavares. I mean, when Mm. I was doing a little bit of research before this, I had remembered this goal and had to find the replay of it. He he assisted a goal for Tavares against Ottawa. That was just this incredible, like, no-look pass. Vanek digs it out. Here's Opozo. Sends a shot through right on save his mate. Vanek sends it to Frick back and he scores! What a pass! Vanek backhands it, the no-look backhand to Tavares, and the Islanders are on the board. Because they are such... Great automatic offensive player. That is just an instinct play. They haven't played enough to know one another that well. But just having the respect of the two superb talents, you gotta figure Tavares is gonna be somewhere around the net. And a nice back pass by Vanek. And that kind of stuff, I feel like they could have really built on that chemistry because they only played less than 40 games together after right. Tavares' injury. So I think that there could have been something there. Mm. And I think that it would have given an opportunity where we're not just having this rotating cast of wingers (laughs) for Tavares following Vanek's departure. And I feel like maybe it would have put a little less pressure to go out and get somebody. Obviously, I don't even think there'd be room for somebody like an Andrew Ladd. But I think a lot of the missteps that Snow had made were about trying to find a guy for Tavares, and this was even one of them. <laughs> but if he had stuck around, I don't think we would have looked at it as such a disaster. I think he probably, at least for a few seasons, would have been worth what we paid. Yeah, in, in a weird way, his um, departure, or you know, or if even hypothetical signing, like really changed the course of the Islanders. If you think about it, because that team that he played on, that was uh, 
Anders Lee's first season. Mm. Josh Bailey was in his prime. Kyle Poso in his prime. That was uh, Scott Mayfield made like a got a cup of coffee. That's like so. Like it was like this new kind of core coming up. And if they had gone like the Vanek route, like they signed him, it's like all right, like we're we're in win now mode. We're cashing in on some of these assets, Ryan Strom <laughs> at the time, like all these guys, like and like you were saying, Jenny, like there's no. Uh, no way that like Andrew Ladd ends up here. It's probably like some of the contracts mm. uh, like th- that they signed in that era of, uh, you know, post Vanek, I guess, like don't happen. And yeah, who even knows what ends up with the Tavares saga. Like, mm. so oh, yeah. in, a, in a very weird way, like Thomas Vanek's stint with the Islanders and his departure um, really changed the, the franchise, <laughs> which is really <laughs> kind of crazy to think about but of, of all players like you can go down the list of you know however many players played for the islanders at that time like think about andrew mcdonald like yeah sure he was around played a lot more for the islanders but uh, his departure didn't have the impact that thomas vanix did or, yeah. or like couldn't have opened the doors that it did um where this guy like it actually like a seven-year 50 million dollar contract for a star winger next to Tavares would have completely could have wrecked everything but also changed <laughs> everything too and Obviously, with him not taking it, it did change everything. And Vanek leaving, really, I mean, like we said, that uh, Garth then went out and in 2015 at the draft got Barzal and Beauvillier to make up for the fact that we didn't have a 2015 first-round pick. And so when you think about it, indirectly, Vanek was the start of the new core of the Islanders, (laughs) led by Barzal. Yeah, yeah, you could think of it that way. It's funny because I was almost thinking about it the opposite way, like, if you were to tell somebody about that whole saga, they, you'd basically be like, well, you know, they weren't that good. So they traded their top line winger for this other top line winger and he was good, but they still weren't that good. And they still ended up out of the playoffs. And so like, in a way yeah. it's almost like completely inconsequential, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Nothing changed really in that within that season. Cause they had, they just kept Molson. They still would have been the lackluster team that they would have been anyway. Right. And without a goalie, Tavares would have still gotten hurt and they still would have ended up out of the playoffs and they still would have had their own pick. But like you guys said, it did, you know, they, that trade did change everything because then they had to go out and get Barzell or at least they drafted Barzell and Beauvillier and, you know, all right, Del Cole and Hosang, which is a different story. But, uh, you know, that season two, after all that Garth went out, he signed, uh, uh, Yaro Halak and Grabowski. Oh no, that, yeah, Grabowski, yeah. Kuhleman, yep. the whole thing, that whole yeah. sort of transformative that's traded for uh, Letty and Boychuk. Letty and Boychuk, Letty Boychuk yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like, that's what like, there's like all this stuff ended up happening because of Thomas Vanek, even though nothing happened because within the yeah. season. Of yeah, Thomas and the uh, the 2015 pick that we gave up actually mm. was traded so that Buffalo could get Robin Leonard. Who, <laughs> Jesus Christ, future oh, Islander. God. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's a that's unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> Vanek wow. was the key this whole time. The whole Kaiser time. Sose. Jeez, these <laughs> guys are so say it's all it's all him, and all goes back to him. Oh my god, that's unbelievable. I had no idea. Another thing that's- too, I just want to say before we wrap up is like Ralston a little bit in a very different ways. You never see Thomas Vanek jerseys at Highlander games. <laughs> Which, yeah, right. Which is there, you see everybody. You see, yeah. you see. If I've seen, I said it before. I said it again. I've seen Freddie in the past calendar year. I've seen Freddie Meyer. I've seen Mike York. I've seen Aaron Ness. I've seen Steve Steos, and I can't recall seeing a uh, Thomas Vanek jersey. Yeah, 
because he's like the type of guy that like the second they traded for him, they probably were like buy your Thomas Vanek jersey, get right. your Matt Molson jerseys, transformed into Thomas Vanek jerseys. Like, see, I don't so think the they fa- transformed them. I actually went to the team store. Uh, this was when they were moving into Barclays. They had this huge blowout sale. It was like hundred dollar mm. customized jerseys, which is a pretty big get actually. And they still every twenty six jersey in there was Matt Molson. <laughs> it's like this guy did not exist. <laughs> I remember vaguely contemplating buying a t-shirt. What the same thing when they were on sale. And I was like, oh, maybe I should get a Vanek t-shirt just, just to wear ironically, basically. At that point, he was already traded and gone. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do it. But then I never did. So I can't add him to my list. Now I'm just sitting on a t-shirt drawer with Mark Streit, Lubomir Vrsnovsky, and Josh Hosang t-shirts. So they I threw my Tavares one out. Obviously, I've got a Calvin DeHaan t-shirt. So oh I my think god, I- <laughs> that's amazing! That's that's amazing. Hey, you know what? Hey, he might. You could. I could see a scenario in which they need some defensive help, and uh, he comes back. But anyway, we'll see that. But that's a that's an awesome one. Now hold on to that one. That's great. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. This has been awesome. I'm going to find that clip of that that uh, uh, Ottawa goal. I'm going to slide that in there as well as the. Uh, the famous no goal against the uh, the Blues. This has been great. Um, I'm glad we did this because, like a lot of you know, well, especially like Ryan Smith and like Kirk Muller, like you knew Vanek was going to come up, so I'm glad he came up earlier. And this has been a great choice. Uh, so, Jenny, what do you got going on now? Are you recapping tonight's game against the Sharks, or are you on? Uh, did you have the Kings game on Saturday or the Ducks game on Sunday? Ah. <laughs> uh. I honestly don't remember which one I have offhand. I've had a bunch of these late night ones. Right. Uh, the Islanders have been making me stay up to like one thirty in the morning, <laughs> oh. uh, but I'm happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. Uh, well, whichever one you get, yeah. <laughs> we, we look forward to it. We thank you for all your hard work. You do such a great job, and, and we love the recaps and we love the articles. So keep them coming. Thank you so much. Can't can't thank you enough. Uh, I know Dom is a slave driver, and he's always demanding more and more and more all the time. Uh, but uh, you, you're doing a great job, so keep it up. <laughs> Thanks for having me on here, guys. No problem. Uh, oh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, you can so find me on Twitter at Barzelline. Barzelline on Twitter. Follow Jenny there. Uh, Mike, this has been fun as always. Uh, I know you always have a lot of stuff to say about Vanek. He might be one of your like, secret favorite Islanders, yeah, he, I think. Well, he's, <laughs> he's like not my a favorite of mine in terms of like the actual player, but in terms of the kind of aura and mystique of it definitely is one of them because right. it's he's like i i think i could probably teach a co- college course on thomas vanek's career as an islander and and it would almost like make sense in terms of right. i don't know whether it be like anthropology or, or sociology or something yeah. like i'd be able to tie it back to something Sport, sports anthropology one last vanek thing sure because we of didn't course. touch on this at all the uh gambling drama oh, oh yeah. that's right yeah Oh, wow. He uh, got into some trouble because an Islanders check was laundered in <laughs> <laughs> Rochester in a gambling ring. Because, of course, it was. It had <laughs> of to be. course, it had to be. Oh, God. But apparently, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong other than being bad at betting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. But uh, it, ha- it was, of course, a New York Islanders check that gets brought up in legal proceedings against a gambling ring in Rochester. <laughs> I can beautiful, imagine these, beautiful Rochester. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine these like bookies in these like, you know, shark skin suits like, hey, what's this? Island is check. Where'd this come from? You know? 
<laughs> but anyway, but yeah, that, it, it's funny because like that happened and it was a big story for a while, but it didn't really like of all the things that have kind of like gotten wrapped up with the Islanders for so long, like the arena nonsense, John Spano, the whole thing like that kind of gets like sort of shuffled down. It's almost like the the this is way before your time, Jenny, like the the Steve Gluck's turn Milstein brothers era to me, those guys are almost worse than Spano. Cause like they just nakedly wanted to just sell the team for a profit basically. Um, but that, because the big stuff is so big, it kind of gets pushed down the ladder, but yeah, the embroiled in the Thomas Vanek gambling ring case, uh, is definitely one of the more bizarre, uh, <laughs> things in Islanders history. And I just again, didn't that- know those guys got actual checks. I mean, I assume we were on direct <laughs> deposit at this point from well, the NHL. Not with the Island, the Islanders. <laughs> yeah. They probably just got direct deposit a couple of years ago. Yeah. I always assume they got, they got uh, money in uh, brown paper bags. It's because yeah. that's, you know, that's the way, that's the way it's done on law and order anyway. So that's kind of how I assume it, it works in real life. But anyway, no, that that's amazing. I can't believe I forgot that whole thing. This has been informative and enlightening and hilarious. Um, so Mike, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Uh, listen to his other podcast, Line Change and The Wonder Goal uh, from Action Network. Read his work there. Check out Lighthouse Hockey every single day. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back probably in a few weeks with yet another weird Islander. Jenny Berman, thank you for coming on with us. We'll uh, we'll get you on again sometime. We'll, we'll talk about uh, some other weird Islanders uh, that you've witnessed in your <laughs> short time. I've got some As, good uh, Jason Chimera stories. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, we were talking about, you know, oh, we were just talking about him because uh, Kyle Palmieri is working on a bit of a Jason Chimera season here, too. It's going to be 20 goals and people are going to be like, he had 20 goals for them? <laughs> but, uh, oh, that's a good one. Chima. That's a, that'll Chima. be a fun one. <laughs> he's such a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's such a great guy that everybody almost forgot. He, he, he got that, Thanos snapped out of existence all in one, in one season. But, uh, oh, that's a good one too. We'll bring him up again. But uh, anyway, thanks everybody for listening and uh, keep the Islanders weird. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>